we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today. Hello and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood, uncensored, unhinged and unapologetic motherhood chats around the highs, the lows, the struggles, everything really. This week is definitely a episode that gets me a little bit teary. Um, This week's episode is around baby loss and miscarriage and I am keen with Fifty Shades of Motherhood to raise awareness that mothers come in all different ways. Some people are in infertility journeys and they're struggling at the moment. Some people have had miscarriages that other people don't know about. Some people have had baby loss. It's very, very important to me that we recognise that not every journey is smooth and that there are people that go through difficult journeys while wanting to become mothers and I really am keen to help other people who have been through it or going through it or people that would just like to understand what it is like during this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood. Uncensored, unhinged, unapologetic mum chats. And today we will be talking openly around baby loss, something myself and my guest have both suffered with and we want to raise awareness and help other parents that may be going through similar things. So my guest today is the lovely Sophie Martin, otherwise known as the infertile midwife on Instagram. So hi Sophie. Hi Carla, lovely to chat to you today. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. It's been lovely weather down here today, so I've been having a lovely day off and in the garden and things. So yeah. Oh, 
That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. I've actually managed to do a bit of work today, um, which which was handy because um, we're doing the uh, social distancing garden with uh, George's grandparents at the moment. So uh, that was quite quite handy. It was a nice little break. So I didn't get outside much, but I did get a bit of silence. So, so it was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sophie, um, can you tell us a bit about you? if that's okay, to get started. Yes, of course you can. Um, so I'm Sophie. Um, as Paula said, I'm the infertile midwife on Instagram. Um, so I'm a midwife, as it says in my handle. Um, I've worked in a London hospital for eight years and I'm married and I have a little dog um, and we have been trying to have a baby for the last three years. We've done a couple of rounds of IVF um, and I did get pregnant from our first round of IVF with identical twins, um, but I went into really premature labour and sadly they died after they were born. Um, so I yeah, run my Instagram page to try and support other women going through infertility and baby loss. I love that. That is uh, honestly, well, I actually found Sophie on Instagram and I was like, wow, I just love what you share and what you're about, because I think it's something that a lot of people, no matter what stage you are at pregnancy, a lot of people go through things. And it might be that some people, you know, they're pregnant and they're very excited and they've not told anyone yet. And, you know, before you know, they get to that stage where they tell people they can lose the baby. And then it's really sad because then they end up grieving alone. And I've spoke to a lot of mums that have been in that situation. And whatever stage um, you lose a baby, it is very, very difficult time. And it's so, so hard to deal with. So, so I love what you're doing, Sophie. It's amazing. Um, so if we can go a bit back, um, I'd love to talk to you about your whole journey. And I'll also, obviously, I lost my twins as well um, back last September, which a lot of you are aware about, but I haven't actually really spoken about it before. Um, so I'm quite open to kind of share my experience in this episode. And hopefully, um, between me and Sophie, we'll be able to help um, anyone out there that is going through it and if you're not going through it hopefully you'll be able to understand a little bit more after this episode and you know just be a bit more mindful when maybe you're asking people particular questions and stuff like that because it's difficult to know unless you've been through it and something oh god I talk a lot don't I Sophie I'm so sorry <laughs> honestly Sophie is here she is she's somewhere here <laughs> sorry but something that's, <laughs> something that's very important to me is just some before I had uh, a baby loss, I actually didn't understand it. And when I used to see it, I fully admit that I was like, I just don't, I don't get it. And it was only when it happened to me that I thought, oh my God, I, I feel so awful. So if you sat there at home and you don't understand it, hopefully this will make you understand it a little bit more and why, why it is difficult. But anyway, let's go back and rewind and go back um, to the beginning uh, with you, Sophie. So when did you know that you wanted to have a baby then? Oh gosh, I feel like I've always known I wanted to have a baby. Um, I, and I, I think it ties into wanting to be a midwife as well, kind of a fascination with pregnancy and birth and babies and things like that. And um, I met my husband when we were 19. We were oh. quite young. Yeah, we met at university and we sort of decided fairly early on that we wanted to, you know, have a family together. Um, but we didn't start trying for a baby until after we were married. So we 
started trying for a baby in 2018. Um, after we'd been married, we'd been married for two years, I think, by this point. Um, and we'd been together, must have been about nine years by oh, the point. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we'd been together a really long time um, before we started trying for a baby. And obviously, I, being a midwife, thought, well, this is going to be so easy because I know how to, you know, I know about all the hormones and I know how to track ovulation. So I was a bit smug and thought that we'd get pregnant quite quickly. Um, and that could not have been further from the truth. It was so hard trying for a baby, really, really hard, really like emotionally difficult. And it's not that fun after a while. Oh, I know, I know. Well, since um, I lost um, the twins um, back last September, I was like, right, I want to fill this void straight away. It may, may or may not be the right thing to do, but that is what I had in my mind. And that time um, of trying and then, you know, that two week wait and you're like, oh my God, is that a nipple pain? Oh, maybe I feel sick. Oh, I don't know if I do. And, you know, you get excited, you start to think maybe I am. And then it, that time comes and it's like, wow, yeah no baby and you've just feel devastated and then it's going back to the beginning again like oh let's try again it's just like a, an emotional roller coaster trying for a baby and and you know I am you know I'm not saying I'm, I'm very lucky to have George and I am and I really count my blessings with that but it, you know it is so so difficult it is such a kind of wave of emotions and I think what a lot of people don't understand as well is like, you know, if your husband or if you end up like falling asleep and you don't do it on the right day, it's like, I am a, I honestly am proper moody cow. I'm like, oh my God, we've missed it. It's another month. It's another month. Like, it's just awful. Devastating if you miss the window. James and my husband and I, at the very beginning, were both doing shift work. So, um, you know, if one of us was at work and we missed the ovulation window, you just feel like the whole month is ruined. I always say it's like a hope grief roller coaster. So you spend a couple of weeks being really, really hopeful when you're in that two week wait and then your period comes and you spend another two weeks grieving and then you start all over again. Oh, it is. It is so, so hard. And it's kind of like, and the age we're at as well, and we, you know, it's lovely. We've got all our friends that, you know, we're close friends with, but you're seeing people all the time, seeing all this great news of people getting pregnant and it's beautiful. But sometimes when you're in that grieving stage, you just don't want to see it. And you're just like, oh God, what about me? And then babies are being born and like, you're just like, oh, I just want one. And it is so, so hard. Um, so Sophie do you mind like taking us back to you know your your experience for your baby loss with, with your baby loss and you know what happened maybe from the beginning really you know finding out finding out it's twins because I had a similar experience and then you know obviously leading up to what actually happened. Yeah of course so and um, we well after we weren't making a baby we decided to um we went, I went to my GP and obviously tried to get the ball rolling kind of that way. And actually it was just taking so long through the NHS that we decided to go privately. So we went to a fertility clinic and pretty much started IVF straight away. And on our first round of IVF, I had one embryo transferred and did a pregnancy test two weeks later when I was pregnant. Oh. Um, and then started feeling horrendously unwell, actually. just 
awful morning sickness. And then um, you, when you have IVF, you have a very early scan at sort of six or seven weeks. And I'd had like a tiny little bit of bleeding. So I had one even earlier. I actually had one at five weeks. Um, and I had it at, at the early pregnancy unit at my hospital. So I went in and the sonographer was scanning away. And obviously at this gestation, they're vaginal scans. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, all of IVF is vaginal scans. So very used to it by this point. But obviously I'm there worrying that I'm having a miscarriage. And the lady's scanning me and she says, oh, did you have one embryo put back or two? And I said one. And I thought she was just being really thorough because when you have IVF, they um, you get like swollen ovaries and things like this. Mm. So she spent ages scanning me and then she turned the screen around and immediately I could see that there was more than one baby in there. Oh. And James, my husband, didn't have, had no idea about what was going on. Um, and then obviously she told us that there was two and we were absolutely gobsmacked. Um, you know, twins are common with IVF, but that's usually from having more than one embryo put back. So to have one embryo put back and it split into two was just unbelievable. So, yeah, it was an amazing feeling. Wow. Were they um, sharing, were they, um, what's the word then, identical? So they were in the same sack. Were they sharing a placenta as well or how was that? They actually, they, although they're identical, they came from one embryo, they weren't in the same sack, which I was so relieved about because that's kind of the safest sort of twins. Yeah. It's kind of the twins with the least risk. So, um, yeah, they were identical, but they weren't in the same sack. And then they didn't share a placenta, but their placentas were fused together. Um, so, yeah, I was super happy that they were, it's called DCDA twins or D- Yes. I was really happy that they were that because that's supposed to be the yeah the safest sort of twins um, and then yeah so then the pregnancy sort of carried on and yeah I had absolutely awful morning sickness just awful and it went on for such a long time it went on for 18 weeks so oh was my god um, was it all and, day then Sophie I mean all day all night oh. just absolutely awful um, I don't know how I survived it and I had really bad anxiety as well and um, from I think the IVF I think I'd been so used to everything going terribly wrong that mm. I was just so anxious that something was going to go wrong in the pregnancy so I I think yeah, as well when you want something so much um and you've been like you said so disappointed for so long it's like it's almost too good to be true sometimes I bet yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe that the first round of IVF had worked anyway. I mean, IVF has got quite low success rates. So the fact that that had worked, that we were having identical twins, I just felt like I couldn't believe that we were going to, that we were deserving of such a lovely thing. So, yeah, I had a really tough pregnancy. I just felt so, A, physically unwell. And then I also felt just emotionally exhausted because I was so anxious the entire time. Mm. And I never told really anyone that I was anxious and I as a midwife I would if someone I would be really upset if I thought a patient wasn't telling someone how anxious they were because I know that there's so much help available and I would really hate for someone to be that anxious and I did that to myself I didn't tell anyone I was too embarrassed I didn't want to bother anyone you know all of those things oh sorry go on I was going to say, if anyone is feeling really, really anxious in your pregnancy, please tell someone because you do not have to suffer like that. It was absolutely awful. Did you feel like you um, were a bit more kind of anxious because of your 
because you're a midwife and you feel like that is your thing that you thought, you know, I know, I know everything and I should be okay. Uh, did you feel that that was a bit of a pressure uh, around you not telling anyone about your anxieties? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I think you're right. Obviously, I'm, when you're a midwife, you're supposed to know everything about pregnancy, but actually it's really difficult to be your own midwife. So yeah. when you're pregnant, you're not thinking like a midwife about yourself you're thinking like a mother like a pregnant like a pregnant woman you're not thinking about the midwifery thing. so it was a really really weird mix of Emotion. not being able to think with my midwife hat on but also not properly thinking with my pregnant hat on either oh it's so hard that yeah so going through all that and just keeping all those thoughts in your mind and being so unwell is hard I bet oh bless you so did that go on? So you were sick right until 18 weeks, were you? And then did it start to calm down a bit then? Yeah, then it did start to get a bit better. Um, but then I got really bad pelvic girdle pain. Honestly, it was like one thing after another. Yeah. I felt like I was the worst pregnant person ever. I'd been dreaming of this for such a long time. And then I was absolutely rubbish at being pregnant. <laughs> I, I had really bad pelvic girdle pain. Um I was yeah entirely miserable I would say for the pregnancy <laughs> which is even worse now knowing obviously that it was going to have a, such a sad ending but I found it really difficult to be pregnant and I think that's something that's taught me so much about being a midwife because I find pregnancy hugely fascinating and love looking after pregnant women but actually knowing that pregnancy is really not enjoyable for everyone is such a useful thing like it's just made my empathy a lot better as a midwife I bet I bet I know because I mean that's the thing it's after something difficult you so I mean I'm sure you'll see a lot of people that have tried for a while um to have a baby and then when you see them it's just it's like I imagine just being what I'd be like next time if I was ever lucky enough to have another one um it's just like a bag of nerves I don't think I'd even dare like I don't know I just don't think I'd dare move I'd be terrified yeah, or definitely pregnancy after loss or pregnancy after infertility are super hard to navigate. I think they're hugely misunderstood as well. Oh, definitely. I agree with you there. Um, so so after the pelvic girdle pain then, so <laughs> <laughs> you poor thing, it's just one thing after another, yeah, bless it you. It felt like that. It felt like one thing after another. After that, um, I was starting to, I would say, get into the swing of things. And then we went for our 20-week scan. Um, and we had decided not to find out the gender of the babies. Um, we knew, obviously, they were going to be identical, so we knew it was going to be either two boys or two girls. Um, and at the 20-week scan, they said that one of our twins had talipes, which you might know as clubfoot, um, oh. which, again, is quite unusual because they were identical, mm. but one had it and one didn't. So we that was kind of a bit of a shock. But... Yeah. Clubfoot is really, it can be corrected and, you know, we were kind of, I guess, I mean, I, I was upset at the time. Yeah. But which is, I, look back, I think that's like the least of my worries. But um, I think it's just, you just, I know it's one hurdle put in front of you at the time, uh, each time really. And I completely get that. It's just, you go for a scan and, you know, you're thinking, oh, do we find out the gender and stuff? And you don't for a second think, oh, well, there might be anything wrong, even though it is fully fixable and it is, you know, something that 
you know, the babies would absolutely live with. Um, it is okay to feel like that as well. I think it's important to, to know it's okay to feel a bit, I don't want to say the words disappointed, but you just want to feel like everything's going smoothly for you, I guess, and there'll be no hurdles in your way. Well, I think when everything has been so abnormal in terms of like the conception, I think we were just craving some normality. You know, yeah. all these, you know, all my friends or people I know get to be so excited in their pregnancy and happy and looking forward to everything. Whereas I just was anxious before every scan and I was yeah, nervous all the time, worried that things were going to go wrong. So I just wanted something to be normal and I felt like that never happened yeah and someone just to say at the scan like do you know everything is absolutely perfect everything's going to be absolutely fine and maybe just seeking that bit of extra reassurance to so that you could kind of relax at least for that day anyway yeah exactly so yeah we yeah we found out one of the twins had um club foot or talipes uh fixed talipes so that was that and went away and everything was you know we were going to go back the next week for a scan and with a specialist to look at them well it was my son Cecil but look at his foot again and so then the next week I started I started to kind of get I started bleeding um so I was 21 weeks pregnant I started bleeding and so I obviously called the hospital went in and they said everything was fine and um, not sure where the bleed's coming from but it stopped now you can go home everything's fine and um, so I I'd had a little bleed so they could see that um but everything was okay so go home so I went home they, sorry Sophie they can be subchronic hemorrhages can't they Is yeah that... subchronic hematoma so yeah I oh. had a really hematoma um and I had had actually sorry previous to this I had had a few small bleeds as well so it wasn't anything new but I had gone a few I'd gone like a bit of a gap without having any bleeding so I felt like oh we're back to square one again Mm. so yeah because I'd had quite a few bleeds so far so we yeah so you had the bleeding went home again but I started feeling like a bit unwell and but I just carried on went to work the next day and went home again and then sort of again felt that things weren't right Mm. and then I think I ended up going to hospital the next day because I thought my waters are broken and so like I started just getting bleeding but also like really runny kind of yeah I thought it was my waters Mm. and so we went into the hospital but actually my waters hadn't broken and it was just kind of watery funny discharge and and then at that point my cervix had started to open and and so they kept me in and and in my head, now I look back, I'm like, obviously that had bad news written all over it. But at the time I felt like, oh, well, I'll just be on the antenatal ward for a few weeks and everything will be fine. And um, I have no idea why I thought that because all of my, <laughs> this is what I mean about having the different hats because my midwife hat would be like, oh, that's really not great. Whereas my pa- my pregnant mum hat was like, oh, well, I'll just sit here for, you know, I'll be on the antenatal ward. Everything will be fine. They'll all take care of me. And um, and then I yeah stayed in overnight and was getting these pains and I now looking back they were contractions but I perhaps I was in denial I didn't really realize they were contractions so I had mm. contractions kind of all day all night all of the next day oh. and they'd um, scanned you at this point had they Sophie and they was then reassuring you again or 
Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, the babies were fine. They were just happy moving away in there. My cervix was, yeah, they did, they'd done a speculum and it had started to change, but it wasn't kind of hugely open. And I think they were just kind of watching and waiting. And I thought, think they thought I had an infection. So I was kind of just teetering away on the edge of labour, really, but not a lot you can do really at that gestation. Mm -hmm. So I, well, yeah, I was having these pains, which I didn't realise was contractions. And then essentially my waters just went with this huge gush. And then obviously I realised that that was going to be game over. And then the contractions just really ramped up. Um, and then, yeah, I went round to labour ward and had quite a quick labour. Um, obviously had to give birth twice oh gosh yeah yeah that that part for me was the oh it's just it's awful really what you have to go through and it's all the after bit and knowing I mean it's probably for you in a way it's worse because you know probably the outcome and what's going to happen and you probably see other people go through it as well and it's just oh it's just awful awful I mean obviously I was I was 21 weeks pregnant so I knew that they weren't going to survive after they were born so no one had to tell me that whereas I guess a a non-medical person perhaps might not realize that so before 24 weeks of pregnancy um 24 weeks is considered viability I don't particularly love that word but um before 24 weeks your babies have got a really low rate of survival and they won't be offered any medical intervention after they're born so essentially after the twins were born we had to just leave them to die essentially we like we couldn't do any medical help to keep them alive so yeah I knew during the labour that they would die at the end of it I mean I wasn't even sure if they would survive the labour but they did and they they were alive for quite a long time after they were born as well and did you get to stay with them Sophie? Yeah, so I mean, after I obviously had to give birth twice. So after I gave birth to Cecil, obviously I had to then give birth to Wilfred. And um, so we stayed. Yeah, they stayed with us kind of for the whole evening. And um, and then they have. We've got a little room that the babies go to overnight whilst my husband and I slept. Although we could have seen them overnight if we wanted to. And mm. um, and then we had them the whole of the next day as well. And then we went home the next morning. So we said like one final goodbye to them then. So, but we could have stayed for longer. And the kind of bereavement services at my hospital. So I gave birth where I work, um, which in a way was really nice because I had some really fantastic colleagues there. Although I can't imagine how difficult that would have to be for my colleagues to have to look after me at that time. I can't think it's worse to have to look after yeah one of your colleagues who's lost their babies um yeah yeah the the bereavement services where I work are actually really good so yeah we've got like a little bereavement room and you've got your own bathroom and little kitchenette so you don't have to um kind of mix with any other parents and yes it was it was really nice and I was so thankful that we could spend time with them we we um had a photographer come and take photos of us with the baby the baby and and it's a really amazing charity called Remember My Baby. And oh. they yeah, do exactly what that says. So they come to the hospital after you've given birth, if your babies have died, and they take photos of you with the babies. And they're just so tasteful and beautiful. And oh. when your babies have died, you miss out on a lifetime of memories and photos. So 
I'm so thankful that we have those photos because essentially that's all we have. Yeah. Oh God, are you getting me emotional now? <laughs> oh no, that is beautiful. It really yeah. is. Oh, I mean, those people who do that are absolute angels, in my opinion. I mean, how difficult. And yeah. They, yeah. The, the photos are beautiful. I mean, the boys look absolutely perfect, and the lady who took the photos was so kind and just. Yeah, we were really thankful that that could happen. Do you still have those pictures up then at home or do you have them as just when you want to look at them, you look at them? How do you work it with that? We Well, I've got all of them on my phone just in case I need to look oh, at them. Oh, that's um, lovely. And then I made an album for my husband with all the photos in as well. And, and they made a really lovely like slideshow video of all the photos. With some oh. And yeah, it's really lovely. We've, yeah. So we've only kind of just not long moved house. So we haven't really got any of the photos on the wall yet just because we don't know what we're doing with the house. <laughs> yeah, will... decorating and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That honestly, that's just honestly, I'm just in here in tears. No, what you had to go through and everything. It just, it brings it all back. And I just think, um, like I said earlier, I mean, obviously whatever stage you're at that, Basically, after the twins, I wanted to get pregnant very quickly. And after a few months in December, I lost the twins in the August. And in the, se- in the December, sorry, um, I got pregnant again. And I decided that I wanted to keep it just me and Danny to know. Yeah. So I didn't tell anyone. In fact, I think I told my best friend. Uh, and... I didn't want anyone else to know. I didn't want to tell my mum and dad because last time I felt like I let them down and they got excited for a grandchild that never was, grandchildren that never were. And they were so excited that I just didn't want to let them down again. Anyway, um, I had noticed that no one came back to me on what had happened with the twins. And I booked in for that. And I was pregnant at the time. I went and saw, finally saw a bereavement counsellor um, because I felt confident enough to because I was pregnant. Um, anyway, I said to her, I'm really scared about losing the baby. She was like, look, it doesn't happen to many people. It'll be fine. Anyway, I was absolutely fine. Took my pregnancy uh, tablet that morning. Um, I was sticking to my two coffees a day. You read all these things online and think, I stuck by the book, you know, for everything. Um, And I went upstairs and I just felt this gush of blood. And I, in that moment, I knew that I had actually lost um, the baby. And I had to ring my mum and dad to come but then I also had to tell them I was pregnant but I wasn't and it was just a really difficult time um losing another baby um and no matter what stage of pregnancy you're at that is a baby and you've lost that and yeah you've lost all the excitement that you felt I mean I found out with the six-week one quite early because I kept testing so early I mean it was ridiculous, really. I was just like, oh, I'm a pregnant God. I'd have had sex a day before. And I'd be doing a, doing a pregnancy test the next day. Like, oh, I'm a pregnant. So I knew really early. And the weird thing was, as I lost that baby, I was actually one of my best friends had actually got me two angel wings for my Pandora bracelet for the twins. And she didn't know I was pregnant. And she posted it through the door that day um, because it was around the twins' anniversary. And I 
um, as I was opening that, that is when the gush of blood actually came down my leg. And it was really freaky um, that that happened. But anyway, um, so that that was from there as well. So it's just been an ongoing hurdle. And then also then I had a chemical pregnancy on the back of that, which is when you're pregnant, but you don't get to the point where you, it's almost like your period's late, but in between you've got pregnant, but it's not worked out for it, whatever reason, which again, is really painful. So there's a lot of different lost stories out there, baby loss stories that need to be recognized and no loss is easy. Someone who lost a baby at whatever weeks is, you know, you're still as hurt, whatever stage you're at, you wanted that baby. Yeah. And it's really important to recognize that it doesn't matter how many weeks you were, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to just lock yourself away for three days if that's what you want to do. It's okay to be sad. The thing that I find really hard, and I saw something that really summed it up, and it's from the moment you find out you're pregnant, you're working out your due date. You're like, oh, they'll be that old then. They'll go to school then. Oh, they'll be in the same year as them. And you plan this whole life around your babies and every day that you've got them with you you're planning and you don't realize that when you lose a baby you lose a life that you've kind of envisioned in your mind and yeah, it's well, you think the future don't you, you lost, yeah and it yeah, is you've lost the first day of school you know the first steps the first smile you don't have any of that so it's yeah really yeah. tough it is tough. And and did you, I know obviously funerals by, you know, and birth certificates, et cetera, but if they have to, is that 24 weeks that is, that you get all that kind of stuff? Or did you manage to get that at 21 weeks? As if your baby's born alive at any gestation, you're entitled to a birth and a death certificate. Right. Ex- yeah. Any gestation if your baby's born alive. And if your baby's born dead before 24 weeks, then you, I can't remember what you get. Well, I got, well, mine, see, I was a bit behind you. So mine were just short of 16 weeks, but they were born dead. Um, And there was, you got, we got like a blessing at church. And uh, luckily, you know, we were really lucky. Um, I'm not sure if it's something a lot of funeral providers do, but there's a local funeral providers and they did the coffin and everything for us. And we had it like a normal kind of service. Um, yeah like a yeah funeral kind of similar to that yeah did you have your family there or did you just have that with your partner we had it really small so it was just me and my husband and then we had both of our sets of parents and our siblings and so yeah we just kept it didn't have anyone else other than our parents and our siblings no and we had them both in one little coffin oh that's what I did as well yeah so with with mine um I mean a lot of you might already know but for those of you don't so I my story was a bit fairly similar to yours um so I got pregnant and I kept having I didn't know I was pregnant it was actually going to a Spice Girls concert the next day so (laughs) I, I kept like thinking I was coming on my period and I kept getting a bit of blood and then it would go anyway I was like oh I'll just do a pregnancy test and I'd done one a few days before but I bloody read it wrong and like I thought I thought it said negative and then when my husband he was like didn't you do one the other day I said yeah it was negative well where is it and stupidly me I used to hide them in case magically a line would appear or something anyway it did he was like no that says positive I was like you're kidding 
He's like, no. So anyway, off our toddle to spy skills, which was brilliant. Um, and with my friends and we went there to Wembley but I did keep getting spotting and I was a bit nervous at that stage obviously I didn't know it was twins uh and it was the weekend before Father's Day and I thought you know what would be really nice is getting a card for both the granddads because they were coming around for a, a barbecue and oh. do you get one from my son and then get another one and just like put a picture of a scan in um so we went to the scan the first scan I was around six weeks and she uh now this was a private ultrasound clinic and they didn't actually spot that there were twins uh, at that stage. So they were like, yeah, you're pregnant. And we were always like, every time with George as well, we were like, well, no, it's not twins, is it? And they were like, no, absolutely not. And they said the same. Um, anyway, I had um, a bleed and I had to go to the early pregnancy unit. Um, and they looked and she was like, um, you're having twins? I was like, what? What? Oh my God. Anyway, the shock. I mean, I'm not going to lie. My husband was like, we're going to have to move house. We're going to have to move, get a new car. We're going to have to do this. All these things go through your head. And now looking back, I think, God, I should have just embraced every single absent moment. But that time it just worried me because I'm not naturally a maternal mother, really. And I think I just thought, oh shit, you know, how am I going to handle two? And then my husband, I could hear him in the background, double the nursery fees, that double the nursery fees I was thinking for fuck's sake <laughs> anyway that was that and it was all once we got used to the idea I just kept watching all these different videos on um all these different videos on YouTube of these identical twins but mine were um those twins that were in the same sack and sharing the same placenta so um at first they didn't ring any alarm bells to me really and then what it was is a midwife rang and she was like you do know this is very dangerous and you know you want to think about all your options as likely chance that you might lose them etc and to be honest I was driving at the time obviously hands-free uh, just to put that out there um, but and I was just pulled over and I just burst into tears and I was just like I just why is she telling me all this they're going to be fine but when I'd looked into what types of twins they were I knew that you know there were risks um but I just thought, you know, we're just going to go for it. And, you know, hopefully everything would be okay. Um, and then I went to a scan because uh, with um, these type of twins, you had to have, I don't know about you, but ours was every two weeks we had to have a scan. Was yours the same? No, that's because you had um, more high risk type of um, twins. Oh, mine was monthly. Uh, monthly right yeah so we, we went back so I went on the 14 week and then I went at 16 weeks for a scan and honestly the oh the sound of that honestly I'm terrified ever to go for another scan if I ever get that opportunity in my life it was just so we went in and there was this midwife that to be honest with you and I don't often do this she was rude the first time we went in and I can't I can never understand people not midwife sorry sonographer um, and I can't really understand it when people are like that because people are very nervous um, and you know so she was quite like that and anyway the second time we got her she was absolutely lovely but obviously she was having to tell me the bad news because we went in for the scan and I was just lay there and I was so nervous I mean I was shaking and to be honest I hadn't really had any majorly bad news I did keep having the bleat so I was a bit nervous about that but anyway it just felt just silence it was just like a deafening 
sound of silence and I was just like and I was staring at my husband and I was like saying what is it what is it and I could just feel the you know the um what's it called that thing I'm useless aren't I the thing that they put over your belly yeah they were just putting that over and it was going from side to side and I knew and she said um and she put a hand on me and she just said I'm really sorry and I just thought oh my god there must be at least one there must be at least one left and she said they both died and she got the other lady in and I was just like well I just didn't know what to do and then the worst part is the layout I don't know about your hospital but the layout of the hospital was you have to walk in front of like other people and there were actually people that I knew in there waiting for their normal scans as well to go into the side room so it was just I just felt like oh it was just awful uh the whole thing and um anyway the silence it was just you know the bereavement side of things were good um you know but because they died um and they can't do anything straight away because of the gestation they were I had to give birth to them which with George I had a c-section and I was that scared of labor anyway I was quite relieved when they said George was a c-section so when they said I'd have to give birth I was like what the hell I've had a phobia god I've got phobias about everything honestly I'm like a plumbing baby but <laughs> like when they said I had to give birth I was like oh my god I just couldn't for the life of me get my head around it so I had to go home with the babies inside me for two days and we were due to go on holiday the following week and my husband was like what do you want to do and I thought do you know it would probably do me good so I had to go shopping and with the babies inside me knowing they were dead and people like smiling and looking at my bump and you know and you're just like oh my god it was just a long drawn out process really anyway I went in and obviously gave birth to the twins which came out separately and then had to have the um an operation afterwards anyway to get the placenta out as well oh, <laughs> oh i know i couldn't believe it honestly i was mine like was oh. mine was five weeks later oh really yeah so i well no you finish your story no first. no honestly you go for it tell me i know so i um basically so everyone bleeds after they give birth obviously and yeah. it just is heavy for a few days and gets lighter and lighter and lighter and I really don't know what I was thinking I wasn't thinking that is the problem <laughs> so I obviously did not have my midwife hat on at all um, and I was bleeding I think I just needed to get through the funeral the funeral was a month later or just oh. over a month later so I yeah was bleeding quite heavily for the whole month and it was just getting heavier and heavier and then after the funeral um, it just started getting really really heavy and I thought if I went to bed I thought I was going to die in my sleep I just had this feeling that I was going to die so James took me to A&E and I was still really heavily bleeding and yeah realized that there was still some potential in there oh god Um, bless you it can be dangerous can't it yeah well I could have bled to death (laughs) but no I didn't I was fine and so I had an operation a few days later to get a bit of placenta out which didn't work and I ended up actually bleeding for 13 weeks after giving birth. And, and I passed that last bit of placenta by myself in the end. Oh, my God. Did you, did, sorry to be graphic, did you see it come out? Or did you know that was it? Or did no, it... I mean, just the bleeding stopped. Um, mm. And I went back to my to the hospital for a scan because I, I found oh. out and said the bleeding stopped and yeah, it was gone. Um, but, so similarly to what you said earlier, of you were just so desperate to have a baby again. I was so desperate to have a baby and I was so angry 
because three months had gone past after I'd given birth and I had bled for the entire time and I felt like that was three months that I could have tried for a baby which mm. I know is so ridiculous because I'd only just you know lost my other two but it's, I it's not I was so angry at everything going wrong like it's not my children had died and then I couldn't even deliver the placenta properly oh. so I'd given I had delivered the placenta at the time mm. it, and it took a really long time to come out and and we didn't realize at the time that a bit of it was missing so yeah that saga went on for oh, 13, that, yeah, 13 weeks of bleeding after giving birth was not fun oh no absolutely not absolutely oh god oh it is oh you poor girl yeah I mean that's what I in my head I was like right we're gonna start trying straight away honestly I actually don't think I dealt with it and I still haven't for me I don't know about you but I know for a fact that I haven't um but I can talk about it okay and stuff but if I go away from here tonight I won't let myself think about it um because it really upsets me and the only time that I actually do it sounds silly this but if I've had a wine and the house is a bit silent I mean I have a wine a lot I'm not gonna lie but (laughs) (laughs) if there's music on and it's happy vibes then it's great but um I have the twins ashes in the front room which some people might think that's strange but I just the thought of like putting them outside I was just so scared of because I just like I just thought well what if we move and I just don't want them to be cold and stuff so I've still I've still not decided what to do so I have a little area in the front room we've had ours made into jewelry um so that's a really nice idea so we've had ours put into a ring each um only a little bit of it so we've got the rest of the ashes um, but yeah, so I, we wear that ring all the time and I feel like I'm taking a little bit of them with me. Oh, that's so nice. Do you know what puts me off with that is because I lose things. I'm awful. And do you know, I'd beat myself up. I'd beat myself up if I ever went missing. I would just, I don't know. Um, I just, oh, I don't know. But it's, it, that is a really nice idea. And I did look into that and I think I'm just waiting for something to come and be ready to kind of move, not move on because I don't think you ever do. But I think, move forward with where the final place is going to be I just don't know um yet but um I I mean how did you cope afterwards I mean what what how did you find yourself again um really I went back to work really quickly so I went back to work seven weeks after I gave birth still with the retained placenta (laughs) oh just because I was desperate for some normality and I felt like my entire world had been turned on its head and mm. um, and I just didn't want to be in the house anymore I just wanted yeah I wanted my life back obviously my life is never coming back no. you know I think your life changes forever once your children have died and um, so I yeah just worked and then I was like right we're trying for a baby straight away obviously I thought we needed IVF and so we went back to our clinic to try and start IVF again and then um, we realised that I had a problem with my cervix and that was why I'd gone into labour in the first place oh really then I had to have them so I had we didn't realise at the time that I had incompetent cervix which is when which is why I'd gone into labour so early my cervix wasn't strong enough and so then I had another operation is that Um, when they put the um because they were talking about Yes, that's yeah. it. So I've had a permanent stitch put into my cervix now. Um, so it's a, a big operation. So I've got a scar, which is exactly the same as a C-section scar. Oh. Um, so I had that. And then I'm, 
and then a month later I started IVF again um, oh. and obviously that was a complete disaster mm. um, but that's kind of how I have coped I guess is just focusing on trying to have another baby now I don't believe another baby would replace Cecil and Wilfred absolutely not no. but I think it would just help us have some joy again yeah absolutely I mean that was one of the first thoughts that crossed my mind when they pulled when they took us into that room after the scan um I kept thinking poor people that have to go through this and don't have a baby at home and I'm not meaning that in a way to make being patronizing or anything like that that you think but but you know it's um I was lucky to have George and you know and I just need to say that that really upset me sitting in that room and thinking that people were going back to not having a George and going back to these empty houses where they'd prepared things for the baby and it, that just really did upset me that I think that's actually a really nice thing to say mm. Carla because I think hopefully it'll just make you you know hug George a bit tighter because you know, he's so special he, he is and I think um do you know I, I it's hard because you, I suppose I used to think, oh, what if I don't get pregnant? Because I worry about pretty much everything. Uh, anyway, with George, he, it came so easy. That I suppose I never thought of any complications after. And a lot of people suffer with secondary infertility as well. Um, and I think it's, it's, I think with mis, not miscarriage, I know obviously yours is baby loss. Mine, I think it still counts as, as miscarriage. But with whatever you go through, that side of things there, I think it's so difficult to deal with, especially if you feel like you're on your own. And a lot of people don't actually talk about it and don't say, well, I felt like this or I'm still struggling or, you know, because I just don't think there's enough out there, enough people that talk about it, really. Um, and you know I mean I had a message from um, one of my um, friends on Instagram the other day I've never met her actually I've got a few like that on Instagram and she suffered a miscarriage and you know it really upset me that because she was early she'd not told anyone and she had to she has to sit there at home and go through it all herself it just really upsets me oh god I'm like emotional wrecked today. I didn't expect it but <sighs> it's awful yeah it's really- I mean- Really? The 12 week kind of rule is I don't agree with it I think you tell people whenever you feel ready yeah. but I do think it's really hard to announce a miscarriage at the same time as a pregnancy oh yeah it's difficult for people to support you through a miscarriage if they didn't know you were pregnant exactly because also like they've I feel like I announced mine um around 12 weeks or 14 weeks actually uh, just when I thought right I'm comfortable with this now and I did and you know I don't regret that because what happened then is I could then people understood a bit more when it did happen and I was quite open with my followers because I'd be, I'd got my bump to baby from when I had George you see so I'd got a mummy blogger kind of thing there and I was quite open about the miscarriage and stuff and that support that I got I mean I got cards in the post from people I'd never met I got like a cakes and things like posted through the through the door and I just thought people are so kind um and that support that I got from those people and my, and my closest friends as well were just amazing it made me realize how kind people are and how much more I want to kind of be kind to others as well definitely I mean yeah I feel like my empathy is much deeper now that I've had such a kind of experience of grief 
Yeah, it is. It really is. And it really upsets me every time I see someone that's had to go through it. I just, oh, it's like it just really hurts. It's, I just feel what they're feeling. I just understand it at that time. And it's just, just really difficult. And I think it's hard also for all the people. I, I had um, one of my best friends, actually, she went through it um, when she was around eight weeks pregnant and the hardest thing is when you've not been through it for other people listening is knowing what to say knowing whether to say something or whether not to say something or you know because nothing you say is going to probably be the right thing to say you know Uh, it's such a tough one I found that I would much rather someone uh, this is just me personally but I really hated it when people ignored what had happened so, you know, my whole world has been flipped on its head and some people were too frightened to say anything. And I can understand why it's a really difficult subject to broach, but I much preferred when people actually acknowledged what had happened. So just said, I'm really sorry. And that's all you have to say. I'm really sorry, or I'm thinking of you, or I'm there for you. It, it doesn't have to be long or complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've not experienced baby loss, it's really difficult to understand. Whereas just simple things like I'm thinking of you, I'm here for you, I'm sorry for what's happened, mm. rather than not saying anything at all. I think, yeah. So if you know anyone who is going through baby loss, miscarriage, anything like that, I think don't ignore it. I know it's a difficult thing to talk about, but honestly, mm. it in it will be. It, I found it much. Even though it's difficult for people to say those words to me, I really appreciated it when they did rather than when they ignored it because I felt that people weren't acknowledging how important the twins were to me if they didn't say anything at all. I totally agree with you. And I actually uh, channeled mine. Like I started to get a bit like noticing like people that were kind of doing that. And then I started getting a bit of a complex like um and I didn't like that um that I started to be like that so I totally agree with you and it is hard for people to know what to say and you know one of the best messages that I got actually was a girl um that I'm friends with that George goes to school with and she messaged and just said can you can you share how you'd like people to speak to you you know when they see you would you like people to hug you or would you like people to not or what and and I thought that was a really lovely thing to ask because I suppose I didn't think about it really and everyone has yeah it's quite a good thing to say because everyone's different some people might not want a hug or whatever or I think the trouble is you don't know what you want at that stage um but you just know that you want people to know and that it's hard because people you bump into people don't you where I live I don't know about where it is if it's the same where you are but where I live it's very quite a small area so everyone knows everyone everyone's you know kind of had boyfriends that are also you know you've had as well it's one of those places um but I went into the sunbed shop um afterwards and I didn't even really know the lady, to be honest. I had no idea who I thought that that I thought she would have known me. But obviously, I share quite a bit on social media. And she just said, I'm so sorry. And I thought that was so lovely uh, for someone to say. But it shocked me at like, oh, God, like I didn't realize so many people knew. And sometimes you're not ready to sometimes you go into a shop and you just want to like just not not see anyone and not talk about it but to be honest, the sooner you can get talking about it and stuff, I think the easier it becomes really. Well, it was for me anyway. I don't know about you. Um, I don't. I don't know. It all blurs into one. I'm not sure how I survived it, to be honest. I was living in London at the time, so it was. Yeah, I could walk around and people wouldn't 
know you or anything like that mm. but um I did have quite a lot of anxiety about going out after I gave birth to twins so if I had my own way I wouldn't have left the house for quite a long time um mm. yeah I found it quite difficult to leave the house I didn't want everyone staring at me even though oh. I lived in London and obviously no one knew who I was um but mm. I yeah felt really nervous about leaving the house oh. just because I felt like normal life was going on around me whereas my life had stood still yeah yeah and it was like although of course your friends are there for you and they're amazing for you but eventually obviously the messages stop which is absolutely understandable people get on with their own lives life continues and um and then it's almost like other people are getting on with their life and that hurts again it's like another kind of everyone's moved on from it and you haven't um and one one of the most hardest things I did actually a couple of weeks afterwards is I've got one of my really good friends actually had a baby shower and I just really didn't want to let her down so um I went yeah um yes I know do you know it was I was trying to, because she was pregnant well before me, I didn't link our things together, really. But I thought, I don't want to let her down. I don't want to let her down. She was like, no, don't come. Honestly, it's fine. And I know for a fact she would have been absolutely fine about it. But um, so I went and I was sat there and we started to play baby bingo. And you know what the first word that got pulled out was? Twins. And I was like, oh my God. Well, I started crying. My bottom lip was going in. You know when you know? Well, no one was, but you know when you feel like everyone is staring at you because everyone knows and you know that, you know, this has just happened. I was like, oh, I had to leave because it was just too much. And I, I mean, I was silly even doing that really. But at the time, I just, part of you wants to, you want to grieve, but then part of you wants to move on as well and kind of be there for other people that are going through their own pregnancy journeys and not be kind of self I suppose you can easily get to the point where you're like just in yourself. And I I didn't want to be one of those friends that isn't as supportive for my friend. I wanted to show that I was being supportive, but it's probably a bit too soon for me, really. Gosh, yeah. I mean, I have, yeah, I don't go to baby showers. I find them too hard. No, you're good for saying that because I'm just a people pleaser, honestly. If someone sh- <laughs> if someone asked me to shave my cat, I probably would. But no, not if not if my cat didn't want to. Of course, that's probably a bad example. But I, uh, but honestly, I just I'm a bit of a people pleaser, so sometimes I can end up doing things that I'm not really comfortable doing. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's hard. It is hard, and in, I think hopefully, I mean, I mean, gosh, we've been talking a while now. I'm conscious of time, so sorry about that. But um, tell me where you're up to actually now on your on your fertility journey at the moment, then, Sophie. So we are well. Thanks to coronavirus, we had to delay our IVF by a few months, and um, but we're just starting our third round of IVF this week amazing and are you having to do this privately or do you get get help from that from the NHS I'm not sure how it all works and so we've not been eligible for any NHS funding there is no NHS funding where we live and so we have self-funded it all oh my goodness oh wow ever again because my if I do have a child I've spent all of their birthday and Christmas money Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's all right. That's all right. They won't mind, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so you're up to that. That's exciting then. So is that that starting at the moment then? 
yeah so i've started taking like the pre-medication and then hopefully you can start the stimulation as soon as my period makes an arrival amazing oh that is so exciting i'm really think fingers crossed i will be following your journey anyway and always here you know obviously if you want to talk about anything it's been um really lovely talking to you and talking to someone else that has actually been through a similar situation because it's not often you find someone you can have an open chat with and just talk about because your friends are so quick to kind of put their arm around you and say you know it'll be okay and it's a natural thing to do but to have an actual talk with someone that's been through it and hopefully between us it will help someone else out there that has also experienced it and if anyone wants to message me even if you know me or I know your friends or whatever it stays you know absolutely confidential if if there's anything that you want to talk about anytime on the phone me or any obviously not during lockdown maybe in the garden uh, <laughs> then please do um, get in touch with me because I, I'm really happy to help anyone that is struggling at the moment with this not at the moment forever so just my inbox is always open yeah and mine too definitely if you want to chat infertility or baby loss and um, I'm always happy to be a shoulder to cry on Thank you, Sophie. And can you tell parents where they can find you then? And also what we'll do is we'll put Sophie's links in the show notes as well. Um, and, and yeah, fire away. Sophie, where can we find you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram, which is at the infertile midwife. Um, or I've got a blog, which is the infertile midwife.com. Um, they are the main places you can find me. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sophie. Honestly, I didn't, I thought today I was like, right, we're recording this podcast now. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> but, you know, it just, it's more when I hear other people's stories, it really like hurts. Um, it really just does upset me. But hopefully soon, both of us one day will have some great news to share. So, um, but in the meantime, anyway, um, Sophie, I will uh, let you go and enjoy your evening. So thank you so you much. Too. Lovely to chat to you. And, and um, yeah. And you, and you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope you guys did too. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, which I really hope you are, and if you've got this far, why are you still listening if you don't? Um, but I would absolutely love you to subscribe and leave me a little rating. It means the world to me and also helps me out massively, especially when I go to Danny and tell him that I'm going to be doing series two, fingers crossed. So I look forward to speaking to you next week and keep an eye on the Facebook page and Instagram so you know who the next guest is. You will absolutely love it. I know it. This podcast is sponsored by My Bump to Baby Family Protection and Legal Directory. Being a parent is such a minefield. It's so difficult deciding who to select when it comes to financial advice or family law solicitors. My Bump to Baby works with one trusted financial advisor and one trusted family law solicitor in each town throughout the whole of the UK. To find your nearest advisor or family law solicitor, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal. 
we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today.